Welcome to the Life Exchange Podcast, where we give you practical solutions for self, community, and culture. We all know that walking in offense is not a healthy way to live, but sometimes we take on the offense of another and it feels like we're fighting a cause of justice on their behalf. In actuality, if it isn't our realm of influence or responsibility, that false sense of justice may just be us walking in secondhand offense. That's what we're talking about in today's episode. What happens when we pick up an offense that was never ours to begin with? And how do we make the choice to lay it down? So without further ado, here's today's episode on secondhand offense. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And today's topic is secondhand offense. So let's talk about what secondhand offense is uh, as opposed to what regular offense is. Because this is this is a term that I don't know that, that you've coined, but you might have. There's not a lot out there on secondhand offense. But um, let's just talk about what the difference is between offense and secondhand offense. I think I came up with that name because I watched it happen so much yeah. that it's and so it's a important. it's term. Yeah, it's a very good term. Um, the But offense is when we get angry, we get resentful because something happened. Like we to see us. to or, us. Okay. But when it's secondhand offense, I take on, I I borrow, I access, I invite your offense. Something happened to you, Katie. So I love you so much and I value you so much that I take on your offense as my own. Gotcha. And so Everything that offense does to me, now it's doing that to me, but I have no power to work through it because it happened to you. So somebody offended me and you are taking that on as My though own. They, affect, they offended you. Yes, because I love you. Yeah. So now they have become my enemy because I see them as hurting you. So and in general, offense is leaving an open door for greater injury. Yes, like I'm insulted, I'm displeased, so the actual I'm angry. Act, the actual act of being hurt is now over, but offense leaves the door open for greater levels of... Yeah, know. I renew my... Re, okay, what's the word? Reumerate. <laughs> I meditate. I go over it. I go over ruminate. What is it? Ruminate. ruminate. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. I ruminate over that over and over and over, and it just becomes like a part of me. And I get more and more bitter, more and more angry, more and more discontent, uh, more so irritated. Bitterness, frustration. And that, that's where gossip comes out of this. That's where rumors and slanders and making mountains out of molehills. And it's because I'm trying to confront something with secondhand offense that never even happened to me. So in life, we all have the opportunity to be offended, and we probably will be sure. offended or, or have an injustice against us. But we all have a choice then how we're going to respond to that, whether it will just be water off the duck's back yeah. or will we allow it to infect our inner being and turn into unforgiveness, yeah. bitterness. Offenses can be really big things where, sure. you know, somebody has genuinely hurt you and affected your life through abuse or through something, you know, big. Or offenses could be something as small as I like a different sports team than you like <laughs> or um, just something real small that goes against what 
is my preference or my belief. So offense can span. Katie, are you wearing that to church? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Now you you can be offended by that really quickly because I'm attacking what you're wearing. You can be offended by all kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. Little things. A lot of that goes back to code book issues of just my preferences versus your preferences. But so, but bottom line is we can all be offended, whether it's big things or little things. But then I have a choice. If I was the one that was offended, um, then I have a choice of what I'm going to do with that. But if it wasn't directly my offense, if it happened to someone else and now I'm picking up something that doesn't belong to me, um, then how do we deal with that? Because I can work through my stuff, but how do I work through your stuff? Well, and I I would also say when you give an open door for offense, you know, like with tape, the more you kind of pull it off and take it off, it loses its stickiness. Mm-hmm. But I think offense is kind of the opposite. Oh, that's the good. more you are offended, the the stickier it becomes. Yeah. So you're not only offended with what's happened with you, little things becomes big things, but also you're offended with what's happened to those around you. It's just it 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 cultivates this And I think our nation is being so impacted by this because it doesn't even have to be somebody in my family or somebody I love or somebody I care about. But I hear this news broadcast and I embrace that offense. I hear that this happened in this state or in this situation or with this person. And I embrace that offense and I begin to complain and I begin to uh, tell everybody about this and and. You know, it just it just divides. It just separates, and it makes us miserable because we're focusing on the negative instead of focusing on redemption. We're focused on accusation yeah. and slander and all those things. Because offense that is harbored in our heart will never produce anything good for us whatsoever. And that's why I love it in Luke seventeen where. Uh, uh, the disciples went to uh, Jesus, and Jesus is telling them, "Hey, get ready! Offenses are going to come. It's by needs that offenses come." And um, so they begin to talk about that. And at the very end, when Jesus is telling them to forgive, and well, how many times do I need to forgive? Oh, oh that many times. <laughs> and then they said, "Help our unbelief. Help you know, increase our faith." That's what they prayed. Yeah. Increase our faith. So they knew they needed greater levels of faith to deal with their offense. So we could look at our culture today and say that we're a very easily offended Mm -hmm. culture, but you're saying we go back to Jesus's day and this is a human problem. We've been dealing with Mm -hmm. offense uh, for as long as people have been around. And How did the Jews feel about the Romans? Well, there's more opportunities for that just because of the information age and yeah. the internet and Twitter and... and uh, Especially for secondhand offense, because sure, we are yeah. taking in so much information that has nothing to do with us, yeah. but we we pretend that it has everything to do with us. That goes back to a thought that, I, that we talked about earlier about living beyond your emotional uh, capacity. Oh, yeah. 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 So now I'm privy to the world of billions of people mm-hmm. when <laughs> I need to know how to handle my life and not take on the offenses and the messes and the business of everyone else out there. It becomes really distracting when we're trying to take on all this stuff and uh, it leaves us kind of in a messy place because we, we're not even dealing with our own stuff. And that was the caution that I was really trying to present earlier is offense breeds quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it uh, it multiplies. So, 
every opportunity that you have, really address it um, intentionally, address it with fervor, Mm -hmm. uh, where Scripture talks about take every thought captive, be serious about it because if if you allow it to ruminate, mm-hmm. right? We're using that word again. <laughs> if we allow it to ruminate, it's just going to really just overtake. It's kind of like when you plant mint in the backyard. Yep. Don't do it. Don't do it because you're. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of mint back there. It spreads like wildfire. Yeah. That's why the Bible says, don't let a root of bitterness... Mm-hmm. You know, when we recognize that a seed has been planted, we don't want that to grow into a, bru- a root because it will really defile us and it'll defile others. And so it says, don't let that root of bitterness because it's going to spring up and defile others. Yeah. And so it's it's something that we really got to confront because when it comes to second hand offense. I have no power to resolve it. So here, Katie, somebody could have offended you and I just uh, take it on as my own and I'm angry about that and I speak evil about that. And and uh, I just said, do you hear what Katie went through? And I do all these things. Here, you could have on your own gone yeah. to that person, resolved it, worked through it, process through it, forgave, and it's water under the bridge, and I'm over here still ruminating, the word again, (laughs) ruminating over this over and over and over and getting angrier and angrier, and it's a moot point. Yeah, yeah. Because you already worked through it. Because when offense happens to me, I have the power to work through it. But when it happens to someone else, I don't have the power to process through what happened to you. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's just basing off of assumptions and and not total information. So it really leaves an open door for the imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, somebody asked me, there was a situation that they had gone through in their sphere of influence and they didn't love how it went down. And so they came to me and I am completely removed. I know I know none of these people. I'm not in this situation at all. But they came to me and asked me how I would handle the situation. And I said, I can't speak into that. I, I don't know the details of the situation. I'm not there. And I just kind of had to say, I have nothing to say about this because the invitation is for me to take it on, pick it up as my own, get my emotions involved, get all riled up about how I would have handled it, how I didn't like how they handled it. And that's going to affect me when I have zero influence over the situation, I have zero involvement with it. And so it's just sometimes just saying, I'm not going to pick up something that doesn't belong to me. Very it's not good. mine. Because we actually become a pawn in somebody else's experience. Yeah. And, and so we already have enough offenses to deal with ourselves. Yeah. Like, we don't why need, do to we need to play our game adding, and their game. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to keep on adding more weight to the bag that we're carrying yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. So... You know, we really have to recognize when this is happening and first of all, recognize when the the opportunity presents itself, yeah. just like you did and refuse to get involved in it. And secondly, if we discover by this that we have done that, we get offended at somebody else's offense, that we learn how to remove ourselves from that situation and so that it no longer affects our emotional health and wastes our emotional energies. So we've kind of talked about like the spiritual aspects of this, and I think there's also a physical um, component here because... As a pastor, I've seen people that 
feel off if there's not chaos going on. And yeah. so, Katie, can you talk a little bit about like what happens in our bodies when we step into a fence or like are there chemicals that are released or? Yeah, I mean, basically, when you feel like you're contributing something productive to a situation, um, then you're going to get a rush of that dopamine that's going to make you feel good. And so, um, so if you feel it becomes a sense of false justice. So somebody else is bringing something to you and you rise up as though it's yours. You get that rush of empowerment, that rush of feeling like you have control over the situation and those chemicals do influence you and they're addictive chemicals. So you want to keep doing it, which creates that habit of always stepping into these messes that aren't yours to, um, to clean up. And so, yeah, it, it does have a physical response to because you want to make a difference. You want to have a say. You want to have control. You want to feel like you are you have power in a situation. But if you don't, it's all pseudo. It's all happening falsely in your brain. And it's not justice. It might feel like you're doing justice, but you have no power over the situation. So you're telling your body a lie. Um, and then you just keep doing this. And you're going to realize at the end of the day, what it, what progress did you make? Did you did you did you help solve the world's problem today? Like, or, or do you just feel miserable because nothing's changed? That's just what Peter did in the garden when they came to take Jesus. Yeah. He got out his sword and chopped off the servant's <laughs> ear, right? He, he was like, oh, they're coming for Jesus. So I got to get out the sword. I got to do something. When in actuality, as horrible as that was, it was a part of our plan for redemption, which of course he didn't know that, yeah. but he was trying to protect Jesus. And it also happened uh, when it was James and John with Samaria. Man, they wanted to call down fire and burn them up like Elijah did. Yeah. Why they, they wanted to do that just because they didn't receive Jesus. So they were so offended that uh, they had offense against Jesus. Yeah that they they wanted to call down fire. I mean, they were stepping, these disciples of Jesus, mm -hmm. wanting to murder people, wanting well, to destroy and, them. I mean, their nicknames were the Sons of Thunder, Thunder yeah, so they kind right. of had a rhythm of this, of yeah, true. rising up with that passion and justice, and, you know, they wanted to... Yeah, rah, fix the problem. So. Actually, it's true. Peter, James, and John, they all kind of were, you know, really motivated, uh, justice-motivated people. Yeah. It's true. As we've been talking, I kind of realized that there's another component that that uh, second offense has, uh, that it actually almost gives a false sense of belonging. Mm. Because I think a lot of times, you could see it in, our, in society, a lot of times people rally around what they don't like. Yeah. What they're angry at, what they're hateful of, rather than what they love or uh goodness and mercy and and those type of things. That's so I, I think sometimes secondhand offense can fill a need that we all have within us yeah. to a feeling like I belong or I'm a part or I'm closer with this person if I take on what they're carrying. But it, it, it's that false sense of justice, yeah. really, yeah. again. It's like, I got to get on board on this cause to affect change. When in actuality, spiritually speaking, if something's driven by hatred, fear, anger, resentment, all those things, it's never going to produce anything good. 
And a lot it's of perfect us, love that drives out fear. It's not hatred and those other things that are going to solve those problems. A lot of us find it easier to fix other people's problems <laughs> than our own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I, I think that's another element too. It's like, hey, I could get involved with this, but never really deal with the core issues that I'm dealing mm -hmm. with. That, like I said, it can be easy to pick other people's offenses up because, hey, it's a lot easier dealing with something that's outside of me than actually what's inside of me. Really good. And I think if you feel out of control within yourself, you yeah. don't know how to fix your own problems, yeah. you want to feel in control. And so what are you going to do is you're going to assert yourself into someone else's situation because you feel like, okay, if I can't have control of my own stuff, then I'm going to do this in someone else's situation. And it's it's just you're you're kind of staying in that cycle because really, even though you might feel like you have control in that area, you don't because it's not yours. And then we have to justify that by telling everybody else about the offense. And that's where we get into uh, gossip and slander and those things because we try to rally people to a cause we weren't even commissioned to fight. Yeah. Yeah. And I think secondhand offense can come in in so many subtle ways. Mm -hmm. I think of, you know, it could be anything from uh, you. Okay. Do you ever read reviews like restaurant reviews? Do you ever get on Yelp and read them? Like there are 500 positive five-star reviews and there's three one-star reviews. Well, go. which ones are you going to look at first? First yeah. of all, like we all oh, do it. No, I do that always. <laughs> I go to the We're one or two look stars at the first. One star reviews, even though the percentages are, you know, way so true. positive. So we go to that and we say, okay, this person said this place is dirty. They had bad service. And then we make a judgment on the whole place mm -hmm. based on, we have no personal experience and we're going out of one one-star review as opposed to 500 five-star reviews. So right there, that's a secondhand offense. Oh my goodness. And I wrote the book on secondhand <laughs> offense. I never so thought of like that. So you like reading the, the negative reviews? I do. When I go to like Amazon and mm -hmm. I look at the reviews, I go to the bottom and there's yeah. things I have not bought <laughs> yeah. because of those couple negative reviews. And of course, you know, if the majority of them are negative reviews, then, you know. Well, and sure. I don't think as when I think back, it wasn't the majority, but it talked me out of buying or something. It could be something as simple as, you know, like I know in the, the movie Selena, the person who uh, shot Selena, spoiler alert, but you're way behind if you don't know this plot line. <laughs> but so people will see that woman in real life and they hate her because of a character she played in a movie. So it's like we carry offense. It can be so simple things, but we have this habit of doing it. Or like, did you ever get emotionally hijacked over a TV plot line? Like you're watching a show and you become so invested that like you are feeling the feelings of the characters. And so now you are carrying an offense of, you know, whatever it is when it wasn't even real. This was scripted in a room somewhere. <laughs> it's not even real, but we take it on as our own. And so it's just being very mindful of when we're picking things up that are not ours. That reminds me of a story. Okay. It was... Quite a few years ago, I was doing a women's conference and these ladies were sitting around the table and they were just like freaking out about all this drama and all this chaos. And and I went over and I said, are you guys okay? And yeah. they go, yes. And they started saying this and I go, oh my. And they said, yeah, here they were watching a soap opera <laughs> yeah. and they were 
taking that soap opera as reality that they're saying, this is a Christian woman's conference, (laughs) and they're sitting around the table just all wrapped up in the offense and the drama from a soap opera. And I just said, okay, guys. And I just walked away. But it like they were drawing attention in the room because they were so emotional about this. So when you said that, I go, oh my gosh, that isn't even reality. And people can get caught up in that. And it can go to reading a headline. You Mm -hmm. see a headline that points somebody out. You don't read the article. You don't research it more. And you are now offended. Like it happens in a moment to where I have taken on the offense of something that has has not affected me directly, or even if it has in a very indirect way, uh, we're, we're taking it on, but we have no power over it. We have no influence in the situation. And so what are those areas where we're just taking on things. Like you said, we're living beyond our means and we're taking things and we are carrying. It's not just like, you're not just taking the information. You're taking it in as though it affected my life. So now I'm carrying bitterness. Now I'm um, forming my beliefs about a person, about uh, a situation. I'm taking that on as truth, as my reality. Uh, And we're feeding ourselves lies that are going to affect us even physically. Yeah, one of my favorite scripture verses, one that I preach on a lot, is is in Proverbs where it talks about guard your heart above all else. Yeah, mm-hmm. because from it flows the issues of life. From it flows, or it directs the course of your life. And so I think this kind of comes back to is you have power to what you allow inside your vessel. Mm-hmm. Yes. What are you going to allow? Yes. Uh, and if. If the end result of it, and if it's fear, if it's offense, those always lead to, you know, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Fear and offense always lead to those things. So do we want that in our life? Do we want those uh, things to be the compass of our life? Yeah. It's really challenged me to really, what do I want to allow in my life? Right. And what do I want to restrict access to? We would never drink poison, would we? On purpose. purpose. (laughs) We would never do that. Oh, that reminds me of a story when you were a kid. You went out and were eating mushrooms, and then we had to get you the stuff to make you throw up those poisoned Mm -hmm. mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So you didn't do it on purpose, but when you ate them, it still affected you. And But getting back to secondhand offense, see, mama stories here, okay? (laughs) Uh, I love this scripture in Proverbs 19.11, and I love it in the English Standard Version because it's just so simple. And it said, good sense or wisdom, right? This is your word, wisdom, Joel. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is His glory, God's glory to overlook an offense. We actually give glory to God when we overlook an offense, when we are not Mm thin-skinned, but we look at and just say, bless their hearts. And that's one of the big words that I use, like if somebody does something that you know, it would be easy to be offended of that when they said, you preached too long today, or, you know, I didn't like when you said that. I just go, bless their hearts. It's okay, you know, and not not allow it to affect me. And I think we talked about this earlier, Joel. You said, really, dealing with offense, does that have to do with our emotional and spiritual maturity? And I believe it has everything to do with that. The more we, you know, Jesus was not walking in offense when they came to take him away. Mm -hmm. 
He knew he was right smack dab in the middle of the will of God that for this purpose did he come to destroy the works of the devil, and that was a part of it. And even when they wanted to call down fire, he says, you don't know what spirit you're of. So he was so aware of his positioning with the Father. He was so aware of his purpose that he didn't let the things that people were doing affect his decisions. And that's one thing that offense does. It perverts our ability to make healthy, wise decisions. Yeah. And it hinders us from being able to love and see truth, seek out truth, um, pursue what is really happening. Uh, I think of 1 Corinthians 13, one of the attributes of love listed there is that love is not easily angered. Yeah. Some translations say love is not easily offended. Yeah. And so the more we, and these are not easy things, <laughs> but the more we practice the ways of love, then we get to, when when we pick something up, we can put it down and say, this is not the way of love. I'm going to choose a different route, which, how do you do that? How do you put it down? One, I think if somebody's bringing something to you, you can decline that invitation. Yes. You can say, this is not for me to care for me to carry. And that might not go over well. <laughs> if somebody is used to gossiping or or getting get everybody else's that input. You didn't get offended. Yeah. yeah, imagine that. So that's, you know, points to their issue that they're dealing <laughs> with. But just decline the inf- the invitation to pick up something that's not yours. Um, I think... Another way is to just choose like, okay, I can only carry so much. Can now, and just ask yourself, can I directly affect this? Now, I already know some of our brains are going to go, well, yeah, I can affect it because if I influence that person then they're going to influence that person. And like, it's a much longer trail than direct influence. So you might tell yourself that you can influence a situation, but really look at it practically. Do you have direct influence over a situation. Can I speak into that before yes. you go to more solutions? The fact is we can address things if there's two things in place. One, do we have a bridge of relationship mm-hmm. with everyone involved in that situation? So much so that there has been trust built that we can speak into it with wisdom and grace, love and mercy. So do we have a bridge of relationship? Secondly, Are we in a position of authority? And when I think about authority, is like Joel and Aaron have a responsibility in their home with their children that if one child gets offended with another one and then the other one gets all wrapped up in the drama of that and embraces secondhand offense, mom and dad can step into that and begin to deal with that and help all of them work through because they have relationship with and they have authority with them. And so in situations that those two things uh, we carry, then that gives us an ability to speak into things if we don't embrace the secondhand offense. We have to make sure uh, we are impartial and our heart is clear and we're going to deal with truth and we're going to want to see uh, uh, everyone come to a place of understanding and reconciliation. Yeah. So you can go back to some more solutions. Uh, I didn't now. have well, I to think, anymore. <laughs> well, I think where Christians get this wrong sometimes is they think to help someone out of the mud is to get down in the mud with them and roll around in the mud. Yeah, Ooh. and that doesn't help at all. 
you know, what you need to do is reach out your hand and pull them out, not get down in the mud with them. Very and good. I think sometimes when Christians take on secondhand offenses, they think, well, this is love to actually take on what they're carrying. But I think as a leader, as as a mature believer, to recognize, hey, I don't need to get in the mess to good. actually bring a solution. Jesus was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was right there in this world, but he was not affected by it. He was not controlled by it. He didn't make his decisions by it. He didn't walk in the offense. He didn't. He viewed things through the thoughts and the ways of heaven. He only did the things he saw the Father do, mm -hmm. even when he saw suffering, even when he saw the things that were wrong, the things that the Roman government was doing to the Jews and, and all the different things and dynamics of that day, he was in the world, but he was not of the world. And living with offense is a worldly solution, but it yeah. never provides an honest solution, a good yeah. solution. Yeah, kind of to what you were saying, Joel, it would be like, you know, Jesus went to the blind man and mm -hmm. it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. Well, sometimes that false sense of empathy is that, so we say empathy is feeling what another feels, but Jesus didn't go gouge out his own eyes so that he could have empathy for the blind man. No, he went and had compassion. He felt for the blind man, but he brought solution. He brought healing. And so it you're right. It's not going into another person's mess so that you can be part of it with them. No, if you're going to go, go with compassion, but carry that solution, carry the truth. Yeah, that's really good. It's my quote. I probably quoted it before on another podcast, but powerful people change what they can mm -hmm. and choose peace in what they cannot change. If I don't have power yeah. to bring positive change then I have to walk away from it. Yeah. Because it will literally sabotage my ability to do what God has entrusted me to do. Yeah. One of the things that has made me a freer, happier person in my life is just realize I only control the things that I can control. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've learned was that's mainly myself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right? You know, there. I mean, I have three kids. I can't. I mean, I, I also choose not to control them, right? but I realize I don't have power to control them. I can uh, teach them, I can guide them, I can instruct them, but I can't control them. And when you teach them, them how to control themselves, you exactly. guide them that's, in that, then you're raising up mature kids. Yeah. And that's my goal is not to control them. It's my goal is to try to teach them how to control themselves. And mo you're modeling the way before them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By self-management and self-leadership. And that's really powerful. Yeah. So I was thinking as a kind of an antidote to secondhand offense, I was thinking of, you know, being aware of where we're getting our narrative. And mm -hmm. so, so for an easy example would be that restaurant. So if somebody told me they had a horrible experience about it, and then I just write it off and never... They're that's just they're blacklisted in my book, <laughs> so then I'm losing out because I've never checked it out for myself. And now you know, of course, there's limits to this. If if you've had enough people tell you that a place is not good, you might want to avoid it. But mm -hmm. uh, I just think about even like social media or headlines, the the narratives that we're often fed that we just 
make determinations and decisions. We carry that offense um, towards something or someone, and we don't ever inquire uh, to gather that direct um, information or experience for ourselves, then we're allowing an outside narrative to shape our understanding or our belief or our relationship with something or someone. And so it's not, of course, it's not all the time, um, but I just think it's good to kind of check ourselves and say, am I forming my opinion, beliefs, stance based upon direct information or based upon something that's secondhand um, that I might need to push into a little bit more to determine for myself? I know for me, one of my favorite scriptures because I'm very passionate about not devaluing another human yeah. being. Uh, and that's in Proverbs where it's the six things that God hates and the seven that are an abomination. And one is a heart that devises wicked plans. And when we step into offense, our brain begins to say, how can we get revenge? Or how can we stop this? Or that false sense of justice type thing. Mm -hmm. And I think when we recognize that how office, offense positions us to literally function in emotional ways and faulty beliefs that are an offense to the heart of God, yeah. then I just don't think we want to go there. You know, I don't want to have a lying tongue just because somebody is offended and maybe they exaggerated the story. And like you said, I don't have all the information. So I embrace a lying tongue and I think I'm speaking truth, but it's really a lie. And so we can get caught up in a lot of crazy things by embracing something that we personally have not experienced. Yeah. It's gone through the grapevine. And you know, those stories, when something goes through the grapevine, it can be amplified. And so I take on a secondhand offense that might not be based upon reality, but based upon that person's perceptions. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to with my dad to a farmer's market. He, he was a vendor there and there was this person that had, an, had a, another booth. And uh, I just remember like as a little girl, my dad saying, oh, he's an alcoholic. So that shaped my entire like Wow. understanding of who this person was. And I just always avoided them because, I mean, I was probably four or five years old when I heard that. But in my mind, I was like, oh, this person is someone to be avoided. Like he's an alcoholic. So then as I became an adult, uh, going to the same farmer's market, that same vendor, I wow. actually like went to their stand and actually formed a relationship with them, learned that they are the sweetest, kindest person in the world. I now still, uh, I go, I have to drive to go see them and, you know, they give me a big hug and, and just the sweetest person. But wow. had I never have explored that for myself, just through a simple interaction of, hello, how are you? It's not like I, you know, got super personal with this person, but it just goes to show how one piece of information that we wow. can pick up and choose to create a narr narrative about a person can be really, really incorrect. Wow. And so I'm so glad that now I know this person, I can call them a friend because I didn't listen or I, I chose to kind of test that out for myself. And it's opened up a door for you to be light. It's opened up yeah. a door for you to have an opportunity to make an investment into them, to make a difference in their life. Yeah. And, and for them to make a difference, honestly, when I see them, they make me feel like the best person in the world. <laughs> so it's very mutual. 
So, I mean, basically, the the lid came off of that perception yeah. based upon that one little statement yeah. from when you were a little girl. But if I would have wow. carried that as as offense, even though I it was secondhand, I would have missed out. Boy, that's very sobering if we're parents or grandparents or leaders to be very, very careful what we say so yeah. someone doesn't assume or take a secondhand offense when we're not even offended, but by something. Yeah. I guess it goes back to, I think, our very first podcast episode uh, about confronting gossip yeah. and how we we don't like gossip. And it's, so really, I think gossip is something that you know, literally generates offense mm -hmm. as well. So that's a good one to listen to if you didn't listen to that one. Yeah, yeah. I also think of, you know, would you want your entire life and character to be summed up in one sentence? Oh, gosh. You know no. what I mean? So no, we won't want that for ourselves. Yeah. So when we hear stories or we hear someone's perspective, like, I, th I think it's really mm -hmm. important to recognize we won't want that for us. Yeah. So really give, just don't put people in a box just by one statement. A person's or, identity is yeah. not a headline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Say that again. A person's identity is... <laughs> it's not a headline. I mean, I think, you know, I have bad days just like anybody else. And if my life was summarized based on a bad moment, that's going to be a really sad thing, you know, if, or if that's happening with someone else, I encountered them on a bad day, having zero idea what they've just gone through. And now I'm forming my whole opinion about them as a person that it's very uh, anti the ways of Jesus and, and the ways of love. And even if someone does do something, if we can look past us, past that and say why, then that will protect us from being offended, being offended yeah. and reproducing that and drawing other people to embrace our yeah. offense. Now, we're talking to people in the church world, you know, uh, being a pastor for over 20 years. When someone new comes in and they're, the first conversation is them bashing their last church. Mm -hmm. Not a good sign. It, it <laughs> concerns me a little yes. bit. <laughs> And we immediately say, oh, we love that church and we love yeah. that pastor. Yeah. Yeah. So then they they don't go beyond that because we refuse to embrace that yeah. offense. Because actually in a situation like that, I think a lot of times people will say that thing to try to gain your favor yeah. because yeah. a lot of people want you to, to be offended yeah. with someone else so that they can draw you to them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... That's why know, I said offense is really... It, it's woven it, into our culture, isn't it? That and but also it gives a sense of belonging, yeah. which I think I don't want to be in that. Yeah, that, I don't want to be in that club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you if if I I'll turn it on me. If I feel good about putting someone else down, I kind of have to check myself. Like, mm -hmm. why is that the case that I am finding some sense of significance? on putting someone else down. Like, obviously, there's a deeper root in me mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed if that's the case because we were not created to uh, belittle God's creation, someone beautiful, someone who's much more similar to me than I realize. Yeah. Part of the, the seven things God hates and eight an abomination, you know, and so really... 
I think when it's all said and done, the more we're conformed to the image of Christ, the more we're going to represent him well as leaders. Yeah. Yeah, I know that this conversation is a little little heavy, but I think it's good to have these type of conversations because we need to. If you don't, I mean you just you just go through life and you you're you're never challenged. Right. So I believe today's conversation should be a challenging one for us all. And when we're talking about life exchange, talk about something that will destroy life exchange yeah. is offense. And even us as a team, like uh, I'm sure you don't like everything I say and do all the time. Come on. It's probably a reality because we're different. We function different. We uh, have different perspectives. We're of different generations. Different things hold greater levels of value to one more than the other. But that's what makes us good together. But if we get offended with that, that's going to be, that would be the first opportunity to divide us and now, you know, we're walking in generational prejudice and we're walking in all kinds of crazy assumptions and other things we address. But you think about that, just letting a seat of offense get in there would be destructive. And so if something is said or done that, oh, it changes or hurts a little bit when they said that, we have to go and deal with that with God and walk in a place of spiritual maturity and say, what we have is far too valuable to jeopardize with that one little thing they said or did. Yeah. And even, you know, in that example, if you did something that offended me that I didn't like, mm-hmm. then if I went to Joel and talked to him about it and didn't talk to you about it, that's that secondhand. So now mm-hmm. if you were immature, he would pick that up and we would be now against you. It's just going to cause total division. So I guess one good way to combat secondhand offense or even offense is like you need to go directly to the the offending party. With the purpose of redemption. Reconciliation or redemption. That's right. And in the process of working through that, now there's greater trust. Yeah. There's greater heart connection and there's a greater motivation to partner together. Yeah. So really... Offenses will come. It's just what we do with them when they do. Yeah. Second offenses, secondhand offenses, we will have the invitation for them that we need to reject that invitation, yeah. not accept it. RSVP, I'm not going to that <laughs> <Yeah>. party. <laughs> One thing that I realized, you know, people will be less likely to come and talk to you if you speak truth. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> or if you will not get in their offense with them. That's true. Sure. But the other aspect, and, and maybe you're there and be like, man, people co- always come up to me and they <laughs> tell me these things. Mm-hmm. So I would challenge you, what are you doing mm-hmm. that encourages their behavior? Wow. Yeah. You know, you know when someone comes up to you and they want you to join the pity party and you don't, they kind of are irritated and they just don't come and talk and to you. They go find somebody yeah, else. Yeah, they find someone else. So if this is a pattern within your life, you know, what what are you allowing or what are you encouraging within them to in, empower this behavior? Wow. And so you're going to have to face the fact that you may be deriving significance from that bond. And so you go there because you feel connected to them through Mm -hmm. that. And then facing the the fear that may arise that if you don't go there with a person, there is a chance 
that there would be a breach in connection. Now, of course, the hope is that both parties, you would both recognize that mm -hmm. there's a better, more healthy, happier way to have connection. But, you know, it's a chance. There's a, a risk that if you stop showing up to the party, they're not going to come knocking anymore. Yeah, for sure. Well, you talked about faulty justice. There could be a faulty loyalty as well. Yeah. Yeah. And because ultimately we seek first the kingdom. Ultimately we honor God. Um, I love my husband, but I love my God more. Yeah. And so I'm responsible responsible to walk in obedience to him. And when I do that, my relationship with my husband and with others is like so much pure and so much better because righteousness is the foundation of it, not a false loyalty of taking one another's offense. Yeah. Uh, and I think as Christians, I think, what do we want our rallying cry to be? Yeah. Do we want it to be around what's wrong in the world? Mm, yeah. Do we want it to be this party or that party or this situation or that situation? I, I think the rally cry of the believer is mm -hmm. the gospel. Yes. Yeah. It's the good news. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's yeah. long-suffering. It's self-control. It's all these fruits of the Spirit. That should be the rally cry of the church, yeah. yes. not necessarily uh, a particular agenda or... I think the agenda should be the gospel. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that Christianity has often become synonymous with offense. <laughs> what yeah. are we offended by? That's what we're known by. And yeah, it would be so much better for us to be known by love, by truth, by patience, by kindness, by all the fruits of the Spirit. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I joke around and, you know, people are complaining about cancel culture and all that stuff. I was like, well, the church had the real cancel culture. If you were, <laughs> they would burn you at the stake. <laughs> I would say it's that's true. Is one, been around one move for a while. persecuting the next move? That is true. Yeah. Lord have mercy. So it, it, it's not a new phenomenon, you know, cancel culture. It's no. true. It's true. Yeah. And really, in a lot of ways, um, it might not be as structured, but it has been there through the years. Mm -hmm. And Actually, now that you say that, you know, I go back into the early years of ministry and many times people tried to cancel us. Yeah. But God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, 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 but in the midst of all that, it's caused us to focus very deliberately, very intentionally uh, on developing a culture that is safe. Mm -hmm. where certain things that are an abomination to God are not acceptable in our culture. And what it does is it does produce safety. What it does is really we, you know, somebody has talked to me about, oh man, the things that you faced in ministry. And I go, and I love ministry. It's the most fulfilling thing for me now. And, and somebody was talking about a, a gossip situation once and I go, my goodness, it's like I don't even deal with that anymore. It's like I can't remember how long it's been since someone come to me speaking evil about another person. And I'm not saying somebody never does that. I'm just saying they don't come to me. Mm -hmm. And it's because I've created a culture in me and I've communicated the culture for this house, as you guys have as well. And so it's becoming 
what is right, what is just, what is pure. It's it's raising a standard of this is what it looks like to be a Christian that wants to be a light in a dark world. Mm-hmm. And it's just a happier way to live. It sure is a happier way to live. <laughs> You're not always trying to put out wildfires of offense and you you're just kind of removing yourself from drama a lot of the times. And it's just a better way to live. <laughs> it sure is. And it's possible to get there. And and if you, you have a, a group or a team or a family or a relationship that says, listen, we can uh, change this internal culture, not just in us, but within this group, it will begin to be contagious in a positive way and impact all those that you lead. Yeah. Yeah. So as we close out, did you have something else? No. Okay. As we close out, uh, I think I would just say, begin to recognize those areas where you have maybe picked up something that didn't belong to you, that wasn't yours, uh, and just always ask the Holy Spirit, okay, how how do I put this down? And not just put it down in the moment, but how do I just kind of clear my... Um, my load of this and help me from picking these things up again uh, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.